2: Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Near Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me as ever is the headliner of the preview show, the main man himself, Dave Statman Roberts. Dave, welcome back. How are you my dear? Hello
3: Natalie, I'm very well. How are you?
2: Yeah, good, well, thank you. Feeling a bit down in the dumps about this weekend's football and feeling a little bit like it's a bit of a relegation battle between us and Fulham at the moment, but... Uh, and actually, you know, the game we're about to preview is probably not one we would want to face under the circumstances, but still a long way to go. I don't think we're actually at halfway point yet, are we? Uh,
3: we're not, no. We've still, uh, still got a couple of games, or we have got a couple of games, obviously, with the Fulham game being postponed. We're one behind. I know some teams, I think Leicester now, have played 19, haven't they? Um, oh, have they? This will be our 18th, Then we've got one to come against um, Fulham as well.
2: Excellent. Sorry, I just... Cut off then a bit short and caught me drinking my cup of tea in readiness for the previous show. So let's get straight on, shall we, people? Grab a brew like we have and let's get on with this week's show. Now, before we move on to the actual game itself, we have a quiz question that we need to give an answer to, which also prompted a very welcome little present left in my script from you to me, Dave.
3: Uh, yes, well, it's not not very good for uh, for a podcast, but very visual for for us recording the podcast. <laughs> I
2: yeah. tweeted a picture. Don't worry.
3: Oh, have you? Uh, so this is the picture of um, of the person who was the answer to the question, which uh, which was who was the last Burnley player to score for the Claret at the Bowling Ground slash Upton Park, depending on what you want to call it, uh, prior to West Ham United's move to the London Stadium.
2: Who was it?
3: Uh, Well, I don't think we've mentioned him for a few episodes, but it was Sam Vokes. It
2: was.
3: With a superb header from a corner in a 2-1 victory, and that was in November 2011. And incredibly, Natalie, you didn't get the question right.
2: No, I didn't. I guessed the other one. I guess you Danny the Inch, that's, yeah. I did. And I, to be fair, the reason why is I got the period right. I knew exactly. I guessed it was twenty. I said two thousand and five. I think I remembered when I looked back on the previous show. I, I don't know why I said two thousand and five. I knew obviously I meant twenty fifteen. So I guessed the year. I knew that was the year that they left. And for some reason, I got it into my head that that was the season where Sam really struggled with injury. I don't think he was around for most of the season. Um, but then, of course, even if that's Right, it, well I don't know, I don't know. It was it could have been at the beginning, so I just went safe and guessed Danny, and I, I feel like I'm going to get my membership of the Sam Vaux Fan Club revoked, Dave. But I appreciate yeah. the the the, uh, the the gift anyway. Was I got a smiley little face looking back at me?
3: Yeah, it was it was a little bit early for Danny Ings. It was actually uh, Sam Vokes' second goal for Burnley. He'd scored uh, against oh. Ipswich in a four nil win at home, and then this was his second goal for Burnley. He was on loan at the time, and then obviously he came permanently the following summer. In uh, so, summer did we not
2: have the Ings partnership by then? No, no,
3: no we, I, we did. No, no, that was no, no, no. Ings was wow. uh, after that.
2: Gosh, a lot of our recent history. You know, now we're being established. Big boy Premier League side. A lot of the recent interview blows into one. Um I should get banned probably from your quizzes because my history facts are terrible. Um well That's why do... I'm here. yeah, exactly. Like, there's a very good reason why I'm I'm merely the conductor of the previous show and I am in no way any contributor in whatsoever because it would literally be the most laughable preview show you've ever seen. Um correct answers, Dave? Did we get any?
3: Uh, we had a couple yes Sam Coleman was in touch uh, he knew it was uh, Sam Vokes and also John Robertson knew the answer as well.
2: Excellent uh, obviously of course John Robertson knew because he always does I don't think we had any others I'm pretty sure we haven't now uh, forgive me I've, I've not really been paying too much attention to all of our socials and our um, contact forms this this week I've just been a little bit tied up so um if we've missed anybody then Blame producer Matt (laughs) Um, As always we are going to ask you Another quiz quiz question At the end of the show So please do keep tuned in And we will set that out later Um, Dave we have got a little bit of a problem now In that obviously I now need to move to the next section Of our script so that we can get on with the rest of the show But as I do that That lovely little picture goes off my screen
3: I know (laughs) Never mind
2: We'll have to move on anyway (laughs) Opposition Stats so, of course, the main reason we are on this show tonight, Dave, is to preview our fixture away at Liverpool. That's this Thursday, the 21st of January, at 8pm, which is live on Sky Sports. So why don't you kick us off with recent history, including last season's meeting.
3: Uh, yeah, well, this is always considered to be an attractive fixture for Burnley fans, despite the challenge it poses. We have travelled to Anfield in each of our six previous Premier League seasons. I say we, but this will be the second time that our match there has been played behind closed doors. Uh, The Clarets are still waiting for a first away win at Anfield since our Premier League promotion in 2009. And as we'll mention later, our wait for a win there has been quite a bit longer than that. After defeats in uh, 2009-10, 2013-14 and also 2016-17, the Clarets have at least drawn two of the last three with a 4-2 defeat in 2018-19 sandwiched by two 1-1 draws in 2017-18 and also in 2019-20. The corresponding fixture last season was an accomplished 1-1 draw and that dovetails nicely into our next section.
2: Excellent. Highlights and lowlights. that next section is of course our highlights and lowlights so why don't you just go straight into our highlights section please
3: yes well for our highlight uh, Liverpool were worthy winners of the Premier League title in 2019-20 but they didn't quite succeed in achieving a 100% record at Anfield Burnley were the 18th opposition team to visit Anfield in a Premier League fixture that was back in July and all of their previous 17 home games had ended with Liverpool victories However, Jay Rodriguez's exquisite finish cancelled out Andy Robertson's first half header and thanks to an admiral display of goalkeeping from Nick Pope, Burnley did what no other Premier League side did throughout the whole of last season and prevented a superlative Liverpool side winning at home. It really was an outstanding effort and a very good point, which might even have been all three, had Johan berg shot gone in rather than hitting the crossbar.
2: And on the flip side, actually, that feels like a bit of a low line. When I was listening to the end of that, then I was like... Yeah, oh, so our highlight is that we've got one point instead of three, but in uh, fact, <laughs> that could be a low light as well. Uh, what is the actual low light that you've picked, please, Dave?
3: Uh, well, for our low light this week, we're going back to Burnley's first Premier League season, uh, 2009-10, and although the Clarets had made a good start at home, winning the games against Manchester United and Everton, it's not an understatement to say that our finest moments were definitely at home, um, but our away form was not exactly great. Uh, Defeats away at Stoke and Chelsea were followed by another heavy 4-0 defeat when we we visited Anfield. That was in mid-September, as a goal from Dirk Kite plus a Yossi Benayoun hat-trick meant that we returned to East Lancashire with no points and a dented goal difference. That season was a difficult one on the road, with just one draw at Manchester City and one win at Hull City, meaning that we only picked up four points out of a possible 57 on our travels.
2: Mm, that is a low light heroes and villains Um, what about heroes and villains then please our next section we've got another photo two photographs here this is exciting you're getting very visual with our preview short script Dave I'm loving it immensely Um, what is our hero please
3: Uh, Well, we're going to select the player who scored the only goal in Burnley's last win at Anfield as our hero this week. Uh, That takes us all the way back to September 1974, when it was an unlikely source, left-back Ian Brennan, who scored the only goal of the game in what was also our last top-flight win at this famous ground. The goal came in the 37th minute and happened something like this. Brian Hall lost possession and the ball rolled loose for Brennan who struck an exquisite left-footed shot past Ray Clements from 25 yards. There was no further score and the Clarets won the match 1-0. That fine win in 1974 was Burnley's first victory at Anfield in 13 attempts since a 2-1 win in November 1962 and we've played a further 13 games there in League and Cup since then without a single victory
2: oh excellent uh, oh my god i've just done it i've just oh okay so producer mark really stitched me up if anybody who follows on social media last week um by apparently last week and there's a probably a little bit of a confession that i need to make is that sometimes i have to multitask when we're doing the preview show sometimes i have to do a few things at the same time when we were a bit short on admin time for podcast stuff and every now and again if i'm multitasking i will Uh, let Dave go through his sections and I'll just jump back in and move to the next one and I must have been doing that a lot last section because apparently I said excellent after every single link and Matt took extracts of them and put them on social media and well stitched me up so I was determined this week that I wasn't going to say the word excellent ones and I have already failed so um, you know, I might as well just let them all out now. Um, Let's move on, who is our villain instead for this section please Dave?
3: (laughs) Uh, Our choice of villain is a Liverpool player who had a far from exemplary disciplinary record and was sent off for a cynical, professional foul in an FA Cup fourth-round replay, which took place at Anfield in February 1995. John Barnes had given the home side the lead just before half-time, but with eight minutes to play, Liam Robinson broke away, only to be hauled down by the Liverpool central defender, Neil Ruddock, and a straight red card was the only possible decision the referee could make. However, it had the desired effect of preventing the goal-scoring opportunity and, with it, our best chance of getting back into the game. And so, instead of Burnley scoring an equaliser and taking the fixture to extra time, Liverpool won the game 1-0. Burnley's Ted McMinn was also sent off after the final whistle for remonstrating with a linesman, but it's Neil Ruddock who is our villain this week.
2: Tin man, Ted McMinn. It was, it was it. Fun, wasn't it? Tin man? Yeah. Excellent. It's the one to watch... Finally, then in my least favourite section, who have you picked out of our one to watch?
3: Uh, Well, you'd be glad to our
2: one to watch.
3: Well, it's actually ones to watch. Gone plural on this. Uh, You'll be glad to know that I haven't tempted fate this week, and I've avoided selecting any attacking players for our one to watch feature. Uh, But purely for the fact that they're both likely to be playing as makeshift central defenders after being asked to fulfil these roles again versus Manchester United at the weekend, Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson and teammate Fabinho are our ones to watch this week. Of course, we all know Jordan Henderson better in his usual role in the centre of midfield, but a catalogue of injuries to the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip have meant that Jurgen Klopp has given his skipper the responsibility of slotting into the centre of defence, alongside Fabinho, who is also playing out of position. However, both appear to have taken well to their new role so far. But these enforced changes also seem to have taken away some of Liverpool's attacking potency. And consequently, they struggled to be quite as fluid in front of goal as they were uh, when Jordan Henderson in particular was free to create chances for a midfield. In fact, Liverpool have failed to score in any of their last three Premier League games, their worst such run since March 2005. Uh, it'll be interesting to see which forward pairing Sean Deitch selects this match and whether they're able to cause some problems for a makeshift Reds defence.
2: Real stuff. It's quite interesting, that. It's uh it's funny, really, isn't it? Because, like you say, you don't really ever associate Liverpool with the idea of, of makeshift anything, do you? You would think they've got the, the quality and their the strength and depth, but I've got to say they have been relatively unlucky with injuries this season. Um. Okay, finally then, who's our man in the middle? Who's going to be our referee?
3: please, Dave? Uh, Well, this week's referee appointment is a slightly controversial one, as it's Wirral-based official, Mike Dean, who takes charge of a rare game involving Liverpool. Um, He's only previously refereed six Liverpool games, with three of those being Merseyside derbies, obviously with both Liverpool teams involved. Um, And that number's presumably so low because of the proximity of the Wirral to the city of Liverpool and the reluctance to appoint him to matches involving teams from the city. Uh, in fact, in 2006, he was originally appointed to take charge of the 2006 FA Cup final. Uh, that was between uh, Liverpool and West Ham United, if you remember. Uh, but he was replaced by Alan Wiley, uh, supposedly as a result of there being a perception of bias towards a nearby team. Um, he's yet another referee we've profiled already this season, as he was in charge of our goal of straw at Brighton, that was back in November, Uh, The evergreen 52-year-old is closing in on his 50th Burnley game, having already taken charge of 46. This will be number 47, with every chance of him reaching the milestone before he eventually decides to hang up his whistle and put away his cards for good. Uh, Many of the previous occasions he's taken charge of Burnley games have been in the Championship, including the uh, playoff final, Uh, but this Thursday's game will be the 25th in the Premier League. Burnley have won eight, drawn eight, and lost eight of the previous 24, and whisper it quietly, but were unbeaten in the last four games with Mike Dean in charge. That's uh, two wins Ooh. followed by two draws. Uh, Lee Mason has been appointed as the video assistant referee for this Thursday's match.
2: Real oh, good stuff. I know you said excellent then. Good, good stuff. Stat man Daves, stat of the week. Um, now let's not leave it there, Dave, because I know you like to treat our listeners, so why don't you delve into that? knowledge bank of yours,
3: and pull out this week's miscellaneous stat of the week. Yeah, well, this week's miscellaneous stat of the week uh, relates to uh, Liverpool. They've had a magnificent run of results in Premier League games at Anfield, having gone incredible 68 top-flight home games without a defeat. That was since a 2-1 victory uh, by Crystal Palace, who won there in April 2017. Since then, the Reds have won 55 games and drawn 13 more. The only teams to have taken points off Liverpool at Anfield twice during this time are the two teams Liverpool have played in their last two home games. That's West Bromwich Albion and Manchester United, with Burnley being the third. Mm. So, can Burnley outdo West Brom and Manchester United and get a third draw, or perhaps even go one better and get a victory this time?
2: That would be amazing, wasn't it? Well, before Dave and I give our thoughts on to what we expect in uh, this week's game, we did get an opposition view for you this week. Um, we spoke to Henry Jackson from This Is Anfield to get his thoughts ahead of the game.
1: Opposition view. It's been a strange season really for Liverpool because I think the general consensus going into the new campaign was that we were again title favourites, I would say, to, to clinch back-to-back titles. And things started pretty well. The addition of Tiago felt hugely exciting. Genie one album stayed put. And it looked in those early weeks like it was gonna be the same again. And then from the moment we played Everton is when it sort of went pear-shaped with losing Virgil van Dijk for the whole season was an almighty loss probably one of the biggest injury losses Liverpool have had in in decades I would say he's that influential and then on top of that just a constant stream of other injuries Joe Gomez obviously out for the season as well Joel Matip can't stay fit Thiago was out for months they had spells without the likes of Alisson Trent and Mo Salah both had COVID. So there's been all sorts of problems to contend with in that respect. And I think there has been a feeling that things are just going against them as well. VAR, I think, has impacted on them more negatively than any other team. They were robbed in stoppage time away to Everton and Brighton. So there does seem to be frustration. And obviously obviously this last few weeks with just one goal and no wins in the last four league games, has seen that title bid derailed a fair bit with Man City finding their groove and looking pretty ominous. So ahead of a tricky January, Liverpool have really got to stay in touch or could find themselves out of the title race and in a top four battle. So it's going to be interesting. It's it's not all negative. There have been some great performances. There's been some great performers as well. I think Fabinho has been absolutely outstanding at centre-back considering he'd never played there before. But obviously having to play him there is is taking arguably Liverpool's best midfielder out of his his favourite position. So everything's had a knock-on effect. And and at the moment, it's it's a tricky period and one that I fully expect Liverpool to eventually come through. But at what cost, I suppose? In terms of the setup up against Burnley, I think it's tricky. I think Klopp is more likely to rest players, key players, for the Man United game in the FA Cup, even though it's clearly a big rivalry. So I think you will see, once again, Alisson in goal. You're going to see Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold full-back, although the latter is in a terrible run of form at the moment. Um, Joel Matip should be fit to come back into the team next to Fabinho, which would mean Henderson pushing into midfield with Thiago. And then it just depends on whether Klopp again goes with Jordan Shakiri as the sort of number eight in the side with the normal front three. Or there's the option of Curtis Jones, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. They they could occupy that third midfield place. And then and then obviously there are the the options to rest one of the front three who have been out of form. You've got the likes of Takumi Minamino, Divock Origi, even though he's, he's no one's favourite anymore, despite what he's done in the past. So... There are options there, but I would expect only a few changes from Sunday's game. With Matip certainly coming in, Henderson going into the midfield, and, and possibly a start for a Jones or a James Milner, actually, in fact. So, yeah, I don't think it will be it will be hugely different. I think Burnley always give us a tough game at Anfield. It seems have been a few draws in recent years, and when it hasn't been that, it's been tight wins for Liverpool. So. Sean Dyche just does have a way of, of knowing how to frustrate us at Anfield. Um, I think we all know what we're going to expect in terms of how the game plays out. It's going to be dominant Liverpool possession for much of the game, as was, as was the case against West Brom at home and Newcastle away and even United on Sunday. So, you know, I think teams at the moment are doing well in, in stifling Liverpool and letting them have the ball and hitting them on the counter-attack. So I think it will be a case of, of Dyche just looking to make the most of those rare moments when you do attack or win set pieces and corners. and You've obviously got Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes up there who could really trouble Fabinho and Matip aerially and and give them a a tough game. So I think we all know it's going to be 70, 80% possession perhaps for Liverpool, but I can certainly see it being a tough game because... Liverpool are playing with a real lack of confidence and and they are desperate to get a result and I think Burnley will sniff that vulnerability having said that I do think Liverpool will win I don't think it will be pretty um I think I go for a two one win so yeah um I'm looking forward to it but um it might not be uh it might not be a four three classic
2: so how are you feeling Dave I mean nah. I guess in some respects, it's never nice to think about playing away at Liverpool. But if there was ever a season that we could be playing them and look to get something from the game, this is the season, surely.
3: Um, I'm not sure it always quite works like that. But yeah, there's, there are um, perceived uh weaknesses although they are minor ones and i think we have to take some um hope from our results there and performances in the last few seasons we mentioned when we did the uh, the run through we've had two uh, draws in the last three seasons and the one between that we we lost it we lost 4-2 but we were uh, ahead in that game and i think there, there were late goals for liverpool as well so mm. it could we could easily have got a point out of that one as well so we have done reasonably well in the last uh two or three seasons Um, But we haven't had a win there for for such a long time. So, yeah, these things don't work like that. But maybe we are due one. And as we say, in terms of um, the teams who have taken points off Liverpool, we've mentioned... Uh, they've had a tough run of results because uh, West Brom and Manchester United, are two of the teams who've drawn twice, we're the other other one. Um, maybe we can do that and, uh, and get a result again this time. But we know it's going to be it's going to be tough. I think the um, main issue is going to be to uh, keep it tight in the first half. We don't want to go behind early like we did at West Ham. And if we can do that, you know, play the way we play, maybe get something from a set piece. And get a result that way, but we're not going to go to Anfield and, and win three or four nil. It's going to be a, a tight game, but we're going to try and frustrate them. I think a little bit like um, West Brom and Manchester United did. I don't think they liked the way they set up, and it was they, they both were quite defensive games, weren't they?
2: Yeah, very much so. Did you not feel like it, a lot of the games are getting quite? Um defensive at the moment it feels like it's no longer us anymore that's that's just and that of course you know this Jose Mourinho side of Spurs are like that and United are like that as well and it, you know it just feels like this seems to be the trend now in that it seems to be very defensively minded it just it's kind of annoying that we've been called dinosaurs for such a long time for playing that way and then suddenly it's the trendy way of playing in the Premier League um I actually think we're going to get something tomorrow I, I think this gold drought that we're going through has got to stop at some point um you, you know I, I think we are trying to create more chances and i think the, you know we probably you'll know this better than me from an actual figures perspective but it feels like we're creating more actual chances than we have done previously it's just that we're just not putting enough of them away um i'm going to be really bold and predict that we it's going, we're going to be really niggling strip them and we're going to get a nil nil it's going to be a draw Dare you predict, predict a score, Dave?
3: Um, I'm going to go for a draw as well. I'm going to be positive and go for a 1-1 draw.
2: Oh, excellent. Who would you play it from? I actually lost week weekend. I, mean. um,
3: I think there might be a temptation to play Jay. I think yeah, Jay might too. come in.
2: Jay and Barnes?
3: Possibly, yeah.
2: Ooh, it's probably my least favourite partnership, though, is those two, but... You know, listen, we've tried all sorts at the moment and um, and we don't really know what's working, do we? So we'll take it from there. Uh, do let us know what your predictions are ahead of this game. Listeners, um, you can have tweet us at Never or email us at podcast at known and, ever.net and let us know what you think the final score will be. Fantasy Premier League Update. Okay, Dave. Turning to the second half of the show, and of course, it is Fantasy Premier League time. Do, 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 do. We are actually still in the middle of double game week nineteen, aren't we? While we record this preview show, but I think we have been able to get all of the stats from a finished game week eighteen, haven't we? So, do you want to just delve right in there, kick us off, and let us know what the what's been going on in the Fantasy League, please?
3: Yeah, as I say, we're in the middle of a a, a game week 19, which includes last weekend's game. We have the update from the the, uh, game week prior to that. Um, It was a strange game week with some exceptional differences in scores. Um, Those managers, mentioning no names, who took action to make transfers and ensure they had more of their players in action, did rather better than those who just did nothing. Um, so after, Does
2: this mean that I've not done very
3: well? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll find out shortly. Um, I'll take you through the top ten again. We'll go down and have a, a ten yeah. named. We have uh, Joanne Butterworth in tenth place, uh, Chris Stanworth in ninth, Rob Greenwood in eighth, Tom Mitcham in seventh, Gary Proctor's in sixth place, uh, Sean Danaher in fifth, Joseph Golby up to fourth, um, Ursay in third, Matthew Blackburn in second, and our leader is Charlie Binns on one thousand one hundred and four points. That's a a lead of twenty four points ahead of uh, Matthew Blackburn in wow. second. But it's very very tight in there. There's only about twenty point. There's twenty four point lead, and there's only tw- less than twenty points separating second and tenth. So it's really really tight at the top.
2: Gosh, yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Um, who is um Who is? I was going to say who is. I very nearly. I stopped myself. Then I literally nearly said who is winning between you and me. But I didn't mean (laughs) in terms of the actual. (laughs) I just wondered whether I'd maybe got more points than you last last, this week. That's what I meant. So how are we doing, Dave?
3: Um, (laughs) At the end of game week eighteen, your Dingle Bells team, Natalie, had limped to seven hundred points overall and was back L- down to 236th position, uh, with just 14 oh. points for the week. Uh, meanwhile, my Burnley Stats team was safely in mid-table in 143rd position on 909 points. So to answer your previous question, I'm 209 points ahead of you, um, and I picked up uh, 27 points for game week 18. Uh, Richard Steele remains out in front, uh, boringly, of the rest of the no and never team.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, What about Kings of the Game Week then? Have we got stats for those, please? Uh,
3: Yes, we've got those for, again, for Game Week 18. And the Kings of Game Week 18 consisted of 11 players in a 5-4-1 formation. And it's intriguing to see how this uh, changed each week. In some weeks, it's more profitable to have more defenders. In others, the biggest gains can be had by having three strikers. Um, Anyone who had all 11 in that particular game week would have had uh, exactly 100 points. That's slightly lower than normal, but that was due to the fact that several teams didn't play during the game week. So the exceptional players, there's fewer of them to get to that mark. Um, In terms of the players, we had uh, Gaiter of Crystal Palace in goal. We had our five defenders who were uh, Keane, Ampadu, Mitchell, Bellerin and uh, Zinchenko. We had a midfield four of Foden, Pogba, Cavallero, and Iwobi, and up front was Harry Kane. Um, This time, there were three players tied for the most points with 11. Uh, They were an ex-Clarets defender, namely Everton's Michael Keane, and he was in some distinguished company alongside two first-rate midfielders. Phil Foden of Manchester City and Paul Pogba of Manchester United.
2: Good stuff. It's always nice seeing ex-clerics in there. I do like it when I see people like Keno doing well. Um, well, I think obviously that's all we were able to give this week, isn't it, Dave? I don't think we've got any others that we can.
3: No, we're in the middle of game week nineteen, so we can't really. You know, some people have had uh, players who've played all the games. Some have still got games to come, and uh, although we are recording this on uh, Wednesday, our game on Thursday. Um, is also in this game week, so there's no way we can do a, a further update until the uh, that that's been finished. No, that's
2: fine. We'll do. Stay tuned um, because obviously we'll have another Premier League fantasy. Game up, dear, however you want to describe it. Next week, um, and we are keeping a very close eye at the halfway point now. Um, in the next couple, are we going to wait to do till everybody's at halfway before we sort of like give the the halfway? It might,
3: Actually, it might be tricky because the there'll be some ga- some games still to play. What they won't might not be arranged yeah, till late in the season.
2: Yeah, we probably won't get a situation where everybody's on 19 games, will we? Um, just a little thing, though. You were winding me up last week about the Fantasy League and saying that I had no chance of catching you now and all of this. We're not even at the halfway point yet. How how can I not I, catch no, you? No, well, no.
3: I, I, I'm, you're paraphrasing there. I did say there's as much chance of you <laughs> catching me as me catching the leader. I'm I'm less than 200 points behind the leader, mm-hmm. and you are more than 200 points behind me. So equally either could uh, would happen both neither's going to but we'll see
2: <laughs> see slide it in there uh it is well yes listeners stay tuned and uh yeah we'll we'll give you another update next week and i'll get more grief I'm not, we're not playing this game next year because all that happens is i just get subjected to abuse
1: <laughs> statman dave's quiz
2: question And then finally then, Dave, let's uh, leave our listeners with a quiz question. What little nugget have you set us for this week, please?
3: Uh, Well, this week's quiz question uh, relates to our games against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, Ian Brennan and Peter Noble were the only two players to score for Burnley at Anfield during the 1970s. And after that, we had a long wait for our next goal there. But who was the first Burnley player to score for the Clarets at Anfield in the Premier League era?
2: feel like I might have a good, educated guess at this. But I'll do it off air when we get there. Well, how do our listeners submit their answers, please, Dave?
3: Uh, well, they can get in touch with us in the usual ways, using any of these methods. Uh, tweet us or send us a direct message, preferably, on Twitter. Uh, that's at Never. And if you send us a DM, uh, no-one will see your answer. Uh, you can email us, podcast at never.net, or you can also reply to the post of this previous show, which will go up on either the Never Facebook page or on our YouTube page, and we'll reveal the correct answer at the start of our next preview show.
2: Good stuff. Well, I think that is all we have time for this week, Dave. Um, I don't think we've got any community news or any... Moved fixtures or anything
3: that we need to talk about, do we? Uh, Some of the fixtures have changed. They've just changed slightly. I think they've uh, announced a couple for uh, televised games, but they're not dramatic changes from uh, what they were. And obviously, since we last recorded, we now know that our uh, FA Cup game against Fulham is on the Sunday now, on uh, Sunday the 24th. Although we aren't going to do a preview for that because it would be repeating what we're doing for the uh, the Premier League game. So we're not going to uh,
2: skip doing a preview for that. Sensible. Sensible stuff. Brilliant. Well, um, we will wrap it up there, listeners, and we will let you get on with enjoying the game. My thanks as ever go to Henry Jackson from This Is Anfield for his Opposition View, to Turf More Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements, and to producer Matt for knitting this all together and putting you out a show that you can all listen to and enjoy. Um, of course, my personal thanks to Dave for all the hard work he puts in in producing the preview show and for giving us something to enjoy every week. So thank you, Dave. Um, my final thanks go to you, the listeners, for downloading and listening to this podcast. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Um, we will be back next time. Stay tuned with uh, some slightly different fixture changes. We'll, we'll announce on social media when the next... Um, previous show will come out and some some certain vips of the previous show may get a personal announcement we will we will see um any comments questions or anything that you'd like to see us do differently in the second half of the previous show now we're coming up to the halfway point do let us know and we've had loads of ideas in from people and emails and tweets and suggestions of some of the sections we can tweak uh, going forward so we're looking at all of those now and uh, we will let you know but if you've got any others that you want to submit please do get in touch this has been the previous show brought to you by the known and ever podcast until next time
0: away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
2: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.